0: Welcome to in My Queue, the podcast where we talk about TV pilots. I'm Kara. And I'm Adina. And today we are talking about Cheers.
1: So Cheers is a show you've definitely heard of, and we thought we would kick it back a little bit and do a slightly older show because we've done a lot of really recent shows. I believe this is Definitely the first show from the '80s we've done. I was gonna say, have we even done any from before the millennium? But Charmed was 1998, so so it's only our second show that we've done before the 2000s. We've got one more coming up. Yeah, we will. We will do some other older shows eventually. It's just there's so much contemporary stuff to talk about, and we are millennials, so a lot of shows that we're attached to are more contemporary. However, Cheers is one that undoubtedly our, our parents and people in the generation before us knew of well as it was airing. Uh, We were born after it was finished. So we did not experience it as a phenomenon as it was airing. However, I did watch the entirety of Cheers uh, a couple years ago around 2019. And it's got uh, 11 seasons, 275 episodes in total. So I think I, I did it in a couple spans. I didn't do it all quite at once, but it was enjoyable. I think I started it just being like, oh, this is a famous sitcom. Like maybe I should watch it for cultural literacy, which is how I start a lot of shows. But then I ended up liking it more than I thought I would. It was nice. I might rewatch it sometime. And just a, a little anecdote about my time watching it. Um, I First of all, this is going to sound really stupid. And everyone, as soon as I say this, everyone's going to laugh at me. I didn't like fully realize that it was set in Boston until I started watching it. And I'm from the Boston area. So I, I like once it once I knew it I was like oh yeah like I think oh there is a Cheers bar in Faneuil Hall like I have seen that like it kind of clicked but I was like oh okay <laughs> I don't know why I didn't know that anyway that's not the thing I was going to say the thing I was going to say is I actually watched Cheers for the first time after having seen The Good Place The Good Place was currently airing at the time I think maybe two seasons were out and so Ted the first thing I ever saw Ted Danson in that I can remember was The Good Place so <laughs> watching Cheers I was like I had no idea that Ted Danson was a hunk in his day. I wasn't I wasn't ready for that to be your comment. Well, I wasn't ready for Ted Danson to be a hunk. <laughs> That's fair. That was my main thought the first time I watched. Cheers. Yeah, before I go into some of the uh, background info, Kara, do you want to share where you're coming from with this show? I don't know it. I've seen the first episode before,
0: and I think I watched a couple of episodes, but I like don't. All I know is, of course, the theme song because I feel mm-hmm. as though that's an iconic. Cheers has an iconic TV show yeah. theme song. One
1: of the one of the most famous TV show theme songs of all time, I would wager to say, and one of the most mm-hmm. famous catchphrases uh, for TV of all time, where everybody knows your name. The yeah. embarrassing, th- the only thing I knew about Cheers for a long time because I grew up, my family would always play Friends. We would play Friends on repeat, and there's one episode of Friends when they're in London and Joey is missing home and he watches Cheers okay this is why I didn't fully realize that Cheers was set in Boston because my only exposure to it was the clip of Joey watching it on Friends when he was missing New York so I assumed as a child watching that who had never seen Cheers because it was not on air when I was alive that oh that must be a show about New York and that's why Joey misses New York when really it was just like the theme song and like oh where everybody knows your name he misses home so that led to my mistaken belief that maybe Cheers was set in New York and then no one cares about this. That's just, that Hello? was my reasoning as a child. This is funny. <laughs> anyway, the theme song um, is very iconic. And it the theme song was written by Gary Portnoy and Judy Hart Angelo and performed by Gary Portnoy. He is the voice. It was actually the fourth attempt at a theme song that they wrote. Uh, there's a fun little story behind it. The first song was actually, the or the first version was actually a song called People Like Us, which was actually a song that uh, Judy Hart Angelo had written as part of a musical that she was writing. It was the opening number. And the creators of Cheers, who are the uh, James Burroughs and Glenn and Les Charles, they heard this song and they wrote to to the songwriters of like, hey, maybe if you change the lyrics or something, we could use this for our TV show. We think it has the right vibe. So they wrote a new version, changed lyrics. That was called My Kind of People. That didn't work. They wrote another version called Another Day. That one was almost right, but not quite. And then finally they wrote Where Everybody Knows Your Name. And they were like, that's the theme song. And then... Clearly all those drafts paid off because now it's one of the most famous TV themes of all time. Yeah. So cheers. I mean, it's, it's one of the most successful sitcoms of all time. That doesn't really need to be said, but, um, it, it had so much success. It had a total of 117 Emmy nominations over the course of its run, 28 wins. Wow. And that's not even getting to other awards. That's just Emmys, just Emmys. <laughs>
0: that's crazy I think, yeah it,
1: it won 28 times it like including best comedy series i think four times many times for the different actors almost all of the series regulars got nominated at some point it actually when it first started in 1982 it ran from 1982 to 1993 uh, in its first season, it actually had bad ratings. It was uh, ranked 74th out of 77 shows that it was competing with at the time of its premiere. However, it did it was well well received by critics, and it did get some awards attention even early on. And so, it had the faith of the network executives at NBC. They said, "You know, we believe this show is going to be successful." So they didn't. It wasn't really in danger of being canceled. And then, starting from like the second season on, it really, you know, grew in popularity. The ratings caught up. And in fact, its series finale in 1993 um, is one of the most watched entertainment events on TV in history. It was watched by an estimated 93 million people when it aired, which was oh 40% God. of the U.S. population at the time. So we're talking oh it's like the Super Bowl. That's like close to the levels that, that even modern Super Bowls get. So... Yeah. It's like that and MASH, right? Yeah, MASH is actually the most watched TV episode um, ever. I was looking it up right before this. And that was a hundred something viewers. And actually, so the interesting thing is I I saw a little caveat. They were like, it didn't reach the raw numbers of the MASH finale. However, there were a couple of reasons why this may have been because they actually, they aired- The Cheers finale first on a Thursday, and then they re aired it on the following Sunday. So, if you combined the unique viewers from those two different days, then it actually had more viewers than the MASH finale. So, that's one thing. I guess they just like they had announced the rerun in advance. So, maybe some people just, you know, didn't feel like they had to watch it on Thursday. And also, there were just more programs, period, by the time of the 90s as compared to when um, MASH ended. So, they were like proportionally, you know, even though it was fewer viewers overall, it was competing against more. So, still as impressive. So yeah, so Cheers was created by, as I said, it was created by James Burroughs and Glenn and Les Charles, who call themselves two Mormons and a Jew, apparently, (laughs) is how uh, how they identify themselves. Just a quick little background on each of them. I didn't know a whole lot about their careers, other than that they made Cheers, but the Charles brothers had previously written for a bunch of other sitcoms, including MASH and the Mary Tyler Moore Show and Phyllis and the Bob Newhart Show, among others. James Burrows, on the other hand, is a very, very prolific sitcom director. And get ready for this—he's directed for almost every sitcom under the sun. And as of 2016, so this is several years ago, but as of 2016, he had directed over a thousand episodes of sitcoms. One thousand. Wow. Which I don't even know how that's possible. Well, yeah, he's probably been in the credits of like almost every show you've ever watched. Like you can look—I didn't even bother to list because it was like almost every sitcom of the past 40 years (laughs) like he's just he's been in all of them you know which makes sense if he's like such a prolific director everybody would be happy to have him come and you know direct an episode yeah and he's known for having a very dynamic directing style a lot of movement a lot of you know everything in the shot being very carefully uh, uh choreographed not being boring so makes for good sitcom episodes love that. But anyway, so they all got together, two Mormons and a Jew, and they uh, wanted to make a new workplace sitcom with workers that were more like a family. And they originally were thinking maybe they would do a hotel show, something like Faulty Towers, but then they gravitated towards like a tavern or a bar. Um, they just wanted a stream of, of new people constantly coming in. So they talked about different settings. Um, apparently, some towns they were throwing around were Barstow, California, and Kansas City, Missouri. But then they gravitated towards the East Coast and went for Boston. And they actually picked the iconic image of the the Cheers bar, the exterior, where it's, you know, it's got the Cheers sign and then there's those stairs leading to the entrance. They actually found that image in a phone book. They just opened a phone book for Boston. They saw the picture. Um, it was originally called the Bull and Finch um, and it was in uh, Beacon Hill, Boston. And they were like, okay, we like that picture. That's going to be our bar. <laughs> And that bar, they rebranded themselves as the Cheers Bar, and they've made a lot of money off of, you know, merchandising and image rights, so good for them. Uh, They (laughs) did open a second Cheers Bar in Faneuil Hall in Boston as well. However, I just learned as of researching this that apparently it closed in 2020, which makes sense. But I'm sad because I never actually went to it, but I wanted to go. I guess maybe I could go to the other one. Yeah, so that, that was uh, the background of how they came up with the idea, and all of them were sitcom veterans by this point, so like, I think they were pretty skilled in like how to craft it, how to set it up, but that was how they got the idea for the bar. And then the casting, um, apparently Ted Danson was not the original choice for Sam, because originally Sam was conceived as a retired football player, and they had another actor in mind, but then... I don't know, something changed. They ended up with Ted Danson and they were like, maybe we should change it to a baseball player because that might be a little more believable for Ted Danson. (laughs) Um, He's like, yeah, a football player build at all. He's lanky. And apparently he also is like not a sports guy at all. So he had to research a lot about sports and like talking sports so he could talk like a sports guy and not feel stupid doing it, which like I could could relate And he also had to go to bartending school to learn more about how to act like a bartender and be behind a bar, which again, makes sense. Researching the craft. That's great. And apparently they wanted Shelley Long for Diane right away. She was one of their first choices and she like didn't want to come in and audition. She just wanted to be offered the part, but eventually they convinced her to come and audition. And it sounds like the creators knew right away that they liked Ted Danson and Shelley Long together, but in order to like sell it to the networks, they tested a few different pairs, three different pairs of actors. So um, Long and Danson, and then a different guy and a different girl, and then a third pair. But yeah, apparently once they did those chemistry testings, it was immediately obvious to everyone that Ted Danson and Shelley Long had the most interesting chemistry um, that was going to be the best to write for. So then that was settled. They were Sam and Diane. And then, yeah, the rest of the the cast came from there. So It's actually interesting because we get most of the main cast in this pilot episode and most of them do continue to be series regulars for the rest of the run. I won't go into too, too much detail on later in the show because it's like 11 seasons, but just because it's such a cultural phenomenon to like mention some of the important characters that do come later on. So we have Sam Malone played by Ted Danson, Diane Chambers played by Shelley Long, and she actually does leave the show after season five which was a very dramatic event. It was like, as I I was watching it on Netflix, you know, as I aired it, but like, there was like a special episode after she left and like a talk show and everything like, and they had that on Netflix. It was really cool to like see some of the interviews with the cast from that time as I was binging it because you don't normally get to see that. Um, Yeah, it was cool. Then we have uh, Carla Tortelli, who is played by Rhea Perlman, Norm Peterson, who is played by George Wendt cliff clavin who is played by john ratzenberger and apparently john ratzenberger uh, first went into audition for norm but then they created the character of cliff for him after he suggested like oh d- is this bar gonna have one of those classic know-it-all guys who just chimes in and he always thinks he knows everything and then they were like great you can be that guy <laughs> <laughs> that's not norm but you can be that guy and then there's also a uh, coach ernie pantuso who's played by nicholas Colasanto, and he unfortunately he had a heart condition and he passed away as season three was being filmed they filmed it out of order and he passed away shortly after they filmed the finale so like he's not in some episodes but he was in the finale and then obviously he was not in season four and they debated how you know they were like you know should we say coach moved away or or what and but then they settled on they were just going to include his death say that coach died because they thought that would be more respectful because they were like coach is not the sort of character that would just move away from his friends and leave his yeah. friends. So we'll just add it in and we'll make it respectful. So then some characters that do get added later on, but are also very iconic in, in pop culture from this show. Um, Fraser Crane is probably the most famous as he got his spin off Fraser, afterwards, played by Kelsey Grammer. He joins in, I wanna say season three, maybe late season two, I can't quite remember. Lilith Sternin, played by B.B. Newirth, And she was one of my favorite characters. Um, one of my favorite additions. Then there's Woody Boyd, played by Woody Harrelson, and he joins in season four. He kind of replaces Coach, similar type of character. And then there is Rebecca Howe, who is played by Kirstie Alley, and she joins in season six to essentially replace Diane. Yeah, so all of them had pretty major stints on the show and became very famous and very essential parts of it as well. So even though they are not in the pilot, they are, you know, when you think of Cheers, you're probably thinking of some of those characters as well. This was so weird to watch because I was sitting there thinking to myself, man, you remember bars?
0: You remember just going oh to my sit God. in a bar?
1: You know, where everybody knows your name. Like this, this show makes me wish I had a bar that I was like a regular at. Mm-hmm. Although like, I don't know if these kinds of bars really exist anymore. Maybe they do in small towns, but I'm like all the bars that like, all the bars that I used to go to, they're like expensive. It's not a place where you like sit yeah. and chat with people. It's like you go out for a night out and you pay 20 bucks for a drink. Yeah, I don't think it's really a thing
0: anywhere that we've ever been. Yeah,
1: it's too bad. So this is the pilot episode of Cheers. It is called Give Me a Ring Sometime, and it originally aired on September 30th, 1982. It was directed by James Burroughs and written by the Charles Brothers and Burroughs. So... It begins with uh, an exterior shot of the bar, that classic shot of the stairs that <laughs> you definitely know if you've ever seen cheers. And then it goes inside the bar. We see Sam come out of a closet. He starts unpacking some cups, starts brewing some coffee, clearly, and the bar's empty. So clearly he's like getting ready for a day of running the bar. And then a young kid comes in, a kid who's clearly like 16, 17 years old. And he walks in and he just he sits at the bar and he goes, Oh yeah, can I get a beer? And Sam's like, can I see some ID? Because <laughs> he can tell it's a kid. The kid whips out an ID, a uh, military ID that says he's 38 years old. And so Sam's like, wow, 38. So you must have fought in Vietnam, right? And the kid goes, yeah, it was It was gross. <laughs> and he's the kid's really dedicated to this act. He's trying his hardest to pass it off like he's really mm-hmm. an adult. And Sam kind of plays along. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah war is gross. That's what they always say. And so it's just a fun little gag, a fun little cold open. And that's kind of, that's kind of it for the cold open. Yeah. Just this gag. And it shows us, I feel like it establishes Sam is a good guy. He's like a nice guy. He's not going to just tell the kid to scram right away, but he's also a fundamentally moral guy. He's not going to serve the kid a beer. Yeah. Um, any other impressions that you get from that cold open?
0: I liked it. Cause um, for one thing, it, it was just really nice and quick and I feel like you're right. It gives us a, it, that does give us a pretty decent sense of Sam right off the bat. I feel like he is, he seems fairly chill throughout this episode, but he, he, like, obviously, you know, he's got his rules, but he is, you know, still going with the flow in some senses of it, which Mm -hmm. we're also going to see in a little, in a little bit too.
1: Yeah. It's a nice quick cold open. It doesn't go too hard, but it, it just invites you into the world. And one thing I did learn about the cold opens of this show, not necessarily in this episode, but throughout the run of Cheers, apparently the cold opens, you know, most oftentimes they would just be standalone little quick scenes with jokes that would have nothing to do with the rest of the episode. And oftentimes they would be either they would be given to lower level writers, newer writers to just write something quick and small, you know, that wouldn't necessarily be attached to the rest. Or sometimes they would be reused jokes or scenes that had been parts of other episodes that were running too long. Um, And then they would just trim those out and use them for a future cold open. So that was an interesting, just, you know, structure-wise, being able to just slot something in for that cold open that's not necessarily related. I feel like that's the way that some other sitcoms use tags. Yeah. And also, another interesting thing about this sitcom that's different than a lot of ones that we've done so far, by virtue of we've done a lot of more modern sitcoms, is this one uses two-act structure. There's a cold open and then there's two acts, which, as I understand it, was the dominant form for sitcoms for a long time prior to like the 90s and then the 2000s when networks started wanting to do more ad breaks (laughs) so now they've become three or four acts and it's very interesting it just gives things a different a different flow a different pace I was Um, noticing how it is still
0: like your same 20 minutes but like I mean it's
1: like 25 instead of 21 so that percentage wise that
0: is a pretty big difference yeah so like it felt there were it wasn't the sort of like joke upon joke upon joke that I feel like I'm yeah. used to with more recent sitcoms and that sort of thing it's like
1: it's like it allows you to like
0: actually sit yeah. with it
1: i feel like there was a few a few different layers at play here first of all is the fact that it's multi camera and filmed in front of a live studio audience which as we mm-hmm. talked about in some recent episodes like our one day at a time episode that in and of itself creates a different pace because they have to wait for the audience to laugh As opposed to modern single camera sitcoms that are more like joke 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 and you might not get all of them the first time around but then they're good to rewatch so there's that and then also a thing that i noticed is like even though this this episode and most episodes of cheers are longer than most modern sitcoms they also sometimes feel a little bit shorter because not quite as much happens the plots i feel like are a little bit simpler the plots have fewer reversal points in them by virtue of that two-act structure, as opposed to three or four acts, there's there's fewer big reversals in the plot. However, there's more time to just kind of sit in them and get more laughs, get more just kind of relax with the characters. It feels more like you're just kind of hanging out with the characters than it does like you're going through this wacky plot. Yeah. Um, which is just different.
0: Like it didn't feel longer or anything like that. It was just, yeah, mm-hmm. it's
1: different and it's cool to see. The whole thing that set me on that tangent was the number of acts, but um, act one, so after our iconic theme music that invites us into this cozy little world where everybody knows your name, we see Sam is still at the bar and it's still pretty much empty. And then Diane walks in and she's very you know, well-dressed. She's got coiffed hair. Right away, you can see she probably doesn't look like your typical barfly type character. I liked her outfit. Yeah, it's a very, nice color. Very 80s. So she walks in and she's talking to this man that's with her and he's in a suit as well. He also looks, you know, of a certain social class and they start talking and basically they're they're engaged and they're about to be married. The kid from before, the kid that Sam refused to serve before, walks by them and he's like, ah, I give you six months and he storms out and then Sumner's like, maybe let's wait to have children. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's because he was like drinks on me the kid yeah. was. Oh yeah, he tried he tried one more time to get a drink and then and then Sam was like no, kid go home. Yeah. So then basically, oh, then Sumner mentions to Diane his grandmother's ring. He has a grandmother's wedding ring that is very sentimentally important to him, but his ex-wife still has it. And Diane's like it's okay, I don't need your ring, I just want your love and whatever. And he says, "No, I want to go get it for you. I'm going to go get it." And but basically so they have plans to fly to Barbados. They have plane tickets that are in like an hour. And he's like, Oh, but she lives, my ex-wife lives really close to here. I, I'll just go get it quickly and then we can be on the plane. Like, no big deal. And you can just wait here at this bar.
0: I know that the airport was different in the eighties, but that waiting that it was long very to different get to the airport stressed me out a little bit I was like you're not there already (laughs) yeah I mean
1: I had the same thought but yeah 80s were a very different time you could basically just walk the fuck into the airport and get on your plane like
0: (laughs) can't imagine
1: that Also, Sam goes to the bathroom. Sam's in the bathroom right now. Sumner is out for a minute and Sam's in the bathroom. And then the phone rings. And Diane's literally the only one in the room and the phone is ringing. So she's like, well, I guess I'll just go answer it because this was (laughs) in the day of landlines. And like, you would want to take a message for somebody if they couldn't pick up their phone. So it's not that weird of a thing to do. Although it does kind of show that she's, you know, she's not a, she's not a wallflower. She's going to go take responsibility for it so she climbs over the bar answers the phone and then at this moment sam comes out of the bathroom she's like oh are you sam malone there's a vicky on the phone he like makes a motion like do not tell her i'm not here and diane doesn't seem super happy about it but she's like oh actually he just stepped out and then Sam's like trying to do motions to, to indicate what Diane should say on the phone about where he is. So he like, he puts a dish towel in his neck to be a bib and he starts d- doing something with his hair. So clearly he's trying to mime that he's at the barber. He's trying to show I'm at, I'm getting a haircut. Um, but then Diane says, he's at mime class. with such confidence as if that's what he was really trying to indicate but then the the woman apparently has some some choice words about sam she said you're a magnificent pagan beast so apparently vicky says says that he's a magnificent pagan beast and diane finds that striking that is a very striking thing to say yeah but who can come up with that on the fly go vicky anyway so diane then basically comments sam's like thank you for lying um and diane's like i i don't enjoy that i just had to lie for you a total stranger that i've never met sam's like oh i would i would complain to the owner i would have me fired if i wasn't the owner um and so he introduces himself to diane and he's like i'll give you a free drink and she wants champagne and then she explains that it's because she's engaged to sumner and they were going to order champagne anyway for a toast and then sam's like oh oh congrats and then he starts pouring the champagne. Then Sumner returns and he basically says, yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to go over to Barbara's. You can just wait here. And he introduces himself to Sam. And it turns out that Sumner is, he is a professor at BU and Diane was his TA for the last two years. And it's funny Uh, how everything in this, I feel like this is something that was like a minor red flag in the 80s, but nowadays it's a major red flag.
0: (laughs) I literally wrote i was, I like putting ellipses after she was his TA and da da like what
1: yeah also everything <laughs> about the dynamic of their relationship like I understand we are it is set up in such a way that we're not supposed to be invested in their relationship it's supposed to be one that we don't root for however yeah. I still feel like in the 80s that was more so like oh, that relationship wasn't going to work out anyway, as opposed to that is an abuse of power. Also, I feel like
0: the TA thing also kind of fits with the way that Diane just kind of went in and answered the phone. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like, I feel like being a TA, you might sometimes have some secretarial duties. So she's just, you know, I feel like that was sort of an instinct for her. Yeah, It
1: also is just indicative of Diane's personality. As you've learned more on the show, she's very much a take charge and do things my way sort of person. She has ideas about how things should be done properly and she'll just go ahead and do them. But yeah, so anyway... (laughs) so anyway I enjoyed they start this scene oh sorry go ahead yeah, I was gonna say I enjoyed this scene
0: because I liked the way that um they start talking about all of these things that Sumner
1: does and Sam just does not care yeah they have this whole lovey-dovey little vibe and they're just staring at each other and they start quoting poetry and Diane's like oh he's the most brilliant man I've ever met and Sumner's like she was the most beautiful TA I ever had and <laughs> just a lot of things How that many TAs do you think Sumner has gotten with uh probably at least two Maybe more. I mean, it depends... I was going to say, it depends how long since he was married, but he probably did it while he was married too. Let's be honest. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Dr. Sumner Sloan is not in any other episode. Maybe he is. I don't think he's in any other episode besides this. He's not important. So they start quoting poetry at each other. And then Diane turns to Sam and says, that's done. And Sam's like, oh God, I hope so. <laughs> and they explain it's John Dunn, the poet. So yeah, that's very indicative of, there's also this, this kind of theme throughout the show. This was something I found you know, in the research from critics and Uh, the creators alike. One of the themes of the show is kind of the mixing that Cheers provides a place of mixture between different socioeconomic classes. So there are a lot of themes in the show that are about relationships between more working class, everyday people, and then more kind of educated elites and potentially rich people and this is one example of it so like Diane and Sumner are representing this you know hoity-toity intellectual class that's coming to this bar just stopping in for a day whereas we see the the regulars of the bar are a different sort of people but they are able to form relationships and friendships through this place but yeah this like the the fact that they think this poetry is so lovey-dovey and they're in their own world and then Sam's like what the fuck are you guys saying (laughs) this is weird but as I'm sure a lot of the audience is probably thinking too So anyway, you know, Sumner like kisses Diane. He's about to go. And Diane says, am I stupid to let you go see a woman you were once in love with? Well, yes. (laughs) Well, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And then Sumner counters with, I'm leaving you in a bar. Which one of us is the stupider one? And Sam says, I don't know, too close to call. And I have to say, (laughs) Sam is correct. So then Sumner goes and Diane sits at the bar, starts drinking her champagne. And she very pointedly says to Sam, you don't have to try to talk to me. I do not talk to bartenders. It's not something I do. And Sam's like, okay, fine. I won't talk to you then. (laughs) So then luckily someone else comes in at this time. Uh, Coach. Coach walks in. Coach is a very sweet old man. Um, and he's another bartender that works with Sam, and he he walks in on this whole rant about the Patriots draft, and he's like, ah, they're crazy. This Patriots draft is so crazy. They're trying to get linebackers, and they don't need any linebackers, and Sam counters with, I don't know. I've seen a linebacker turn a good team around, and then coach immediately goes, oh, maybe you're right. He just, he backs down immediately, no fight, no conviction in him, and then coach immediately asks about Diane. And then Sam explains that, oh, she's engaged in her fiance, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But then Diane jumps in and says, hey, don't go telling other people about my personal life. Please don't say anything about me. And then Sam goes, okay, I'll just make something up then. And then says, oh, she's a hooker. <laughs> so, you know, maybe that's the consequence of not wanting to share your personal details. And then we get our next character, Um, another employee of the bar enters, and it is Carla. And Carla is this small, very fiery waitress. She walks in the door and she immediately goes on this whole nonstop rant about, sorry, I'm late, but it's not my fault. It was my kids. They were throwing up and my husband's no good for nothing and blah, blah, blah. You're lucky I'm here at all at this terrible job, blah, 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 blah. She has this whole big rant. And then she goes into like the employee room and then (laughs) like Sam doesn't even get a word in. And then he's like, wow, do you think I was too hard on her? Yeah, uh, I love I loved this moment
0: because it kind of se- this it kind of seemed like Sam wasn't going to really say anything. So it's like she berated herself yeah. for
1: him. And it's also but it's I just like funny th- cuz like if you know Carla, like if you've seen more of the series, she's like a very tough character and like, you know, she has standards, but like even if Sam tried to yell at her, like she would fight back. So,
0: yeah. I also feel like that kind of fit with Sam's sort of like, I guess I'm going with the flow a little bit sort
1: of personality. Yeah, he is a laid back sort of manager. He's not really a disciplinarian. So Carla returns in a minute with her apron on um, getting ready because she's a waitress and coach tries to strike up conversation. He's like, oh, you know, isn't it so good that the Patriots are going to get a linebacker because Sam changed his mind and then Carla (laughs) fires back. They don't need any linebackers. And then coach is like, oh, well, yeah, maybe you're right. So (laughs) we can see this gag of that. He's clearly he's very easily swayed by whatever anyone says to him. Poor, poor, sweet old man. And then Carla notices Diane and also notices that she has two suitcases next to her, which is a little bit unusual for a customer in a bar. So she's like, what's up with you? And then Sam says, no, like we're not supposed to bother her. Don't ask about her personal life. And then coach chimes in. She's a hooker. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) which, you know, things are just already getting out of hand. But then we get another entrance into the bar, and this is one of the most classic sitcom entrances of all time. So Norm walks in and everybody goes, Norm, which happens every single time Norm enters the bar on this show because he is uh, one of their regular customers. He comes in every day, stays all day. And he's also just very well-liked by everybody. So every time he enters, norm, everyone cheers. So then he also asks coach what he thinks of the draft and then gets him to swap his position on the linebacker again. And then coach is like, oh man, I have a headache. This just poor, poor little man. It's a great running gag. So I really like this sequence because we get, I like the way I, I, I think it's very good timing on each of these character introductions. It gives us just enough time to get used to each character, who they are yeah. and what their core personality is and their dynamic with the other people that are already there before they get the next one in. So it doesn't drag too much. It never, it never slows down too much after one person's entrance, but it also gives you a nice beat with each of them. Yeah,
0: And I feel like in some of the, some of the newer things that we've watched, we would get a lot of character introductions but in like the teaser bits Mm -hmm, rather mm -hmm. than in the first act and it like for some reason and I think it might just be because you know the like the structure is slightly different but I feel as though even though we were kind of getting the little rapid fire character introductions it didn't feel super overwhelming or anything it was just like this is how I guess maybe it kind of fit in with this is their day and they're going about it and this is how it always is. It's like we are being invited into their status quo.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. And I feel like we can feel the pace being a little bit more relaxed. Because as you said, I feel like a lot of other sitcoms it was like more packed into the teaser and it was more like one line. We would get like one line with each character to establish their personality and they would come right on top of each other because oftentimes they would already be in the scene and we would just have to catch up while they were there, which is Mm. not necessarily a bad thing. But this one, it's nicer. It's a little It it allows us to kind of like wake up to the show a little bit. I feel like we're kind of getting ready as they are getting ready to open the bar. And we got more of like a little monologue and then a couple of exchanges with each character as opposed to just like one quip. Of like one joke of their essential personality um which is nice and then this is most of our major characters now introduced at least as of the pilot then norm and again the other thing that we get as every single character enters we get a beat of each of them reacting to diane who is the new element which Mm -hmm. is good to show their personalities and also good to show diane adjusting to each new element in in the scene so now norm tries to talk to diane because he's he's the only other customer in the place right now so he's like oh other customer what do you think of the patriots draft um which is a pretty normal conversation to have in a bar in boston but diane (laughs) very clearly is like she doesn't know anything about the draft and then he says something about oh like wouldn't you like to see sam play again And she's like, what, like you're, you're an athlete to Sam. And they're, everyone's so shocked that she doesn't know who Sam is. And coach comes over and he's like, Sam Mayday Malone, the greatest relief pitcher that the Red Sox ever had, blah, blah, blah. And everyone's talking about how great Sam was. And Sam's kind of in the back, he's not really saying anything. You can tell he's kind of trying to be humble. He's not really basking in it. And then Diane's like, well, if you were so great, why are you not playing baseball anymore? (laughs) Because like, he seems still young and whatever. Um, And then Sam explains, um, I had an elbow problem. I, I bent it too much. And he does, you know, he picks up a bottle and it's clear he's indicating that he had an alcohol problem. And so Diane's like, oh, you were a drunk? And Coach jumps in defensive. He was a great drunk. So another one of Coach's personality traits is that he is very loyal to his friends, especially to Sam, because he was formerly Sam's coach on the Red Sox. Mm -hmm. And he will basically, he will go down saying good things about any of his friends. That's so lovely. Yeah, Coach is just a, a lovely little man. Then Sam explains to Diane, you know, I... I left the team I've been sober for the past three years and she's like well if you were an alcoholic why do you run a bar which I also had that question (laughs) and he says he bought it when he was an alcoholic and then he couldn't let go of it for sentimental reasons which like honestly I say good for him if he's able to maintain his sobriety while working in a bar Great for him you know he seems happy there so it seems like Mm -hmm. a good a good place for him so that's where we actually finally learned something about Sam himself. That's really the first moment that we learn it. He's been on since the beginning of the episode, but that's the first moment that we get any real exposition about him. And then Diane goes to the bathroom, and obviously everyone starts gossiping about her as soon as she's gone because she's been denying questions. So, like, Carla's like, What's her deal? And Sam tries to divert. He's like, You know, she asked me not to say anything, but then he kind of he caves as soon as everyone's asking questions. He's like, "Look, she's engaged. She's waiting for, for her fiance to come back, and they're gonna fly to Barbados and get married." But she didn't want me to tell anybody, so don't don't bother her. Don't say anything, you know, when she comes back. And then she comes back from the bathroom, and everybody starts clapping. <laughs> very unsubtle. And Sam's like, "They just missed you."
0: <laughs> yeah, it's and then nice. I love the like, I love the dynamic of the patrons in this bar it's yeah. like they're so nosy and I, I feel like they're just all so happy for each other like they don't know this woman but they heard she's getting married and they're
1: like oh congrats yeah. it's very much this vibe of like if you are sitting in cheers right now you are one of us it doesn't matter how mm-hmm. long you've been here before it doesn't matter where you came from or who you are if you're in this bar right now and you're having a drink you are one of this group of friends and we're gonna all you know be in each other's business support each other have a laugh talk about the Patriots draft, whatever. And so I think that is one of the key things about the show that made it so appealing and makes it so like nostalgic and appealing now, which ties into the theme song. It's this, this idea of a place where, where you can see that our troubles are all the same, that people are all the same, where everybody knows your name, where you're one of the family, even if you've just walked in off the street, Um, Mm -hmm. which is a really nice idea. It's not something that exists a lot in the real world, but (laughs) it's nice. And then that's the end of the first act of the two acts. And also the other funny thing I noticed was even the fact that it's split into two acts, It's not really a big dramatic reversal at the end of this act. Like, yeah. you know, it kind of falls, it kind of tapers to a close, like all the introductions are over, but nothing crazy dramatic happened to end that act and to make us want to come back, which is just. I think that a thing that I did
0: notice is that Diane looked a little bit nervous as to um, is Sumner mm-hmm. going to come back? He's been gone a while now. They like, like the camera was on her for a
1: second, I think. Yeah, I wrote down like Sam and Diane charged looks. So like they made eye contact or something. So I guess I was reading the moment a little differently, but I was like, (laughs) something's happening with Sam and Diane. Anyway, yeah, that is our first act. Then act two, uh, we're back in the bar and it looks like it is a little bit later because there's more people and there's like some empty glasses and whatnot. And Norm's asking for just one more quick beer, (laughs) which is an understatement. And Carla comes over to Diane and basically just says like, oh, he's still not back yet. It's been a while. You should, you know, here's my advice. You should just run. You should just run for it. And this is also very indicative of Carla's personality. She is cynical, uh, not afraid to tell people what she thinks. And (laughs) Diane just says, this is not really a witty line, but I just really liked it. She just looks at Carla and goes, you're a bitter little person, aren't you? (laughs) I also love this line and wrote it down. Um, and then Carla explains why she's better, and she has a little bit of a reason to be better because she was married or I guess she is still technically married. I don't think they got divorced because they're Italian American, but her husband left her uh, after they had four kids, four kids, and the That's husband left her alone. Many. It's a lot of kids. And the husband left her after she paid for his school at the Coletti Academy of TV Repair. She paid for him to get a, a worthwhile craftsmanship degree or certification trade. whatever you call it trade yeah and then he left her which is not very nice uh, yeah, but then but she's he gives like her the discounts yeah she's like he, he only charges TV. me for parts when he repairs my tv but man is that sad he shouldn't yeah. charge her for parts no. <laughs> he should be paying her child support oh my god but again, the eight, well, I mean, this is a joke. I don't think that was intended to be actually wholesome. It was a joke, but I'm also like, ah, the eighties. So yeah, then the phone rings and coach answers and he goes, oh, is there an Ernie Pantuso here? And someone goes, that's you coach, <laughs> which is just a funny little beat. And then a little debate starts. This is another a moment that just kind of gives us what the environment of Cheers is like. Norm starts asking somebody, what is the sweatiest movie? And everyone starts throwing out suggestions like Rocky 2 and like this and that. Like everyone just starts saying different movies that are sweaty and everyone's very assertive about their own answer. And then uh, another character, he doesn't really get a formal introduction, but this is where we get meet one of our other series regulars who he was not a series regular as of the pilot, which is why he doesn't really get a big introduction, but we get Cliff Claven. He chimes in and he is they don't really talk about it, but he's in a mailman's uniform. He is a mailman. And he chimes in with, a uh, actually, a uh, little own fact about sweat glands is that uh, <laughs> women have fewer sweat glands than men, but they are larger and more active. So women actually sweat more, um, which is just, again, that's very indicative of the personality that Cliff goes on to have on the show. He loves these Little facts that are weird, uncalled for, and often unpleasant. (laughs) And then he starts asking Diane about how much she sweats, and she's like, "Don't talk to." She's like, "It's very much no boundaries, and it's funny." But it's like that's how it is at Cheers. It's like if you're in the bar, you're part of this sweat conversation, and you are expected to contribute. You know, you better contribute your best thoughts about sweat doesn't matter if you're a newbie. (laughs) Then Sumner comes back and Diane is so happy to see him. And she's like, oh my God, thank God you're back. Cause I've been in this room where everyone's having a discussion about the sweatiest movie ever made. And then without missing a beat, Sumner goes, cool hand Luke, obvious. (laughs) Which again, it's just, that's indicative of like cheers. Even people like Sumner can kind of get in on the vibe. It's just, it's a very welcoming vibe of like, you mm-hmm. know, to get into the conversation. Whereas Diane is one of the few people that is actively resistant to it, at least at first. But then Sumner, this was the other thing that I was like, this is a major red flag. He starts talking about his wife, his ex-wife wouldn't give him the ring back, but he starts saying things like, that woman is extraordinary. I love her yeah. so much. I don't know if I can go when I'm this confused. And Diane still wants him to go with her. And I'm like, what? He just said he's still in love with his ex-wife to your face, to your face, after like half an hour meeting with her. And then he said to her, (laughs) you are a beautiful child. Yeah, I did not like that. I wrote, (laughs) ew. I was like, what the fuck? That was another thing that in the 80s, I feel like that was supposed to be iffy, but today it's like, oh my God, call the police.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no it's like absolutely not
1: then there's a another call on the bar phone and carla answers it and then she goes hey she goes hey are you sumner sloan is that your name and he goes or no she says i apologize in advance if it's not but is there any chance your name is sumner sloan and then he's like yes it is and she's like i knew it like <laughs> out of just looking around everyone in the bar and just guessing who's named sumner sloan it's pretty yeah. obvious so then it turns out it's barbara on the phone she called and she's like oh come back like I'll give you the ring now. I feel bad. Which again, no, of course not. Of course not. Who, why, in what universe would that be true? But then Sumner's like, I need to go back. I need to get the ring. And Diane's like, hey, maybe just leave the ring and let's go. And he's like, no, we just change our flight, change our flight to later and I'll get the ring and then we'll go. And she's like, okay, I guess I'll wait here again while you go get the ring and go back to the ex-wife you just said you were in love with. And I'm like, if you weren't stupid before, Diane, you're really stupid now. Oh, man. (laughs) I also like the
0: line, he's leaving. And he's leaving and about to go out the door. And Diane's like,
1: how about a kiss? And he says, maybe. I'll play it by ear. Talking about Barbara. (laughs) Which is just sad. Honestly, it was funny, but it was also really sad. I was just like... This like if they were on equal footing, then it would just be like he's an asshole. But the fact that he's older than her and like her professor and she was the TA that makes me just feel really sad that she's being used and manipulated like this because like clearly he's stringing her along with this like idea that he's so great and she should wait around for him. And it's just sad. I mean, I'm glad obviously it doesn't go on after this episode, but I'm like, oh man. Even Diane yeah, doesn't hurt my feelings. Like that. So, yeah, and then as he after he leaves, there's an awkward moment when Diane turns, and it's obvious the entire bar was just listening to that conversation, <laughs> this very personal conversation she had, and like then they like go back to talking as if they weren't listening, but it's like yeah then we we cut to later again still later now you know instead of being more customers now almost everyone's gone norm is basically the only one left besides diane and he's kind of slumped over he's got clearly had a lot of beers by now carla comes over to diane who's still waiting she goes cheer up maybe he was in an accident (laughs) which honestly that would cheer me up sumner deserves that (laughs) and then you know coaches the the staff are starting to like you know pick up their stuff and go home so it's clearly the end of shift coach is like oh maybe tonight I'll, I'll finish up that novel that I've been working on and then Sam's like wow it's been how long has it been six years and Diane perks up because she likes she's a writer she's like oh you're writing a novel and like coach goes no I'm reading one <laughs> honestly this
0: was me not finishing a book until April of this year I felt this
1: (laughs) yeah and then so coach um he wakes up norm and and is like taking him home so again it shows that they're kind of a family the idea of one of the workers taking home a customer making Mm -hmm. sure he gets home safely and then norm's like oh but can we can we stop for another beer on the way let me take you out for a drink (laughs) and then coach is like doesn't your wife ever wonder where you are and then norm is like oh yeah I'm sure she wonders but she doesn't care (laughs) Uh so, yeah, it's an ongoing gag that Norm is not really in a happy marriage, which again is not that funny if you think about it. Yeah.
0: I feel like some of these jokes are like, (laughs) I feel like some of these jokes that were like probably funny in the day now. I'm like,
1: oh, that's sad. Yeah. (laughs) Then this was a very conspicuous moment. This guy, Ron, walks by and thanks Sam for listening to him with his problems. This is a guy that has not been, we've not seen him for a second in this episode before, but he's like, thank you, Sam, for listening to me. I was like, that was conspicuous so Diane hears that and she's like wow like now she's the last person it's literally just Diane and Sam left in the bar at this point also um she's like wow that's I've never understood why people want to tell all their problems to bartenders that's that's so weird and sad oh poor wretches I'm so glad I'm not one of them and then without missing a beat she just starts going I met Sumner two years ago and (laughs) blah 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 she starts telling the whole story of their relationship and Sam you know to his credit Sam doesn't say anything he just starts listening because clearly Diane's going through something um she starts talking about you know how she fell in love with Sumner and he's the most brilliant man she's ever met and all of this again just makes me sad that she was manipulated and used by this man because that's not nice and she just she thinks he's basically the ideal man and that's why she's so down on herself and like willing to wait for him because she thinks that he's perfect and like you know she wants to be with that perfect man sam is like you know look it'll be okay like you're a pretty woman you're a nice woman you'll find a guy that's that's better than him he's just goofy and then she is very offended by that she's like he is he is not he you you're just you don't like him because he's everything that you're not he is well-bred he's highly educated he is distinguished he is urbane and then sam chimes in you left out goofy (laughs) which I have to agree. And then Diane is very offended by this. So she starts to storm out and then Sam's like, okay, fine, like go ahead, storm out. But like, just so you know, he's probably already on his way to Barbados with his ex-wife. And then Diane- I
0: have to say, Goofy is one of the nicer things that he could have said about that man.
1: Yeah, although again, I feel like this is a difference of like the 80s. I feel like in a modern sitcom, everyone would have said that dude's an asshole. He's a prick, whatever. I feel like you couldn't really say those things on sitcoms in the 80s so goofy yeah. was maybe a not like a not like a mean word but like it still had a little bit of impact relative to what we would think yeah probably um, i don't know so so sam sam launches that that blow of like oh he's probably going with his ex-wife already and then this stops diane in her tracks and she's clearly a little bit taken down by that um because even though everyone else has kind of already guessed at that conclusion like she hasn't accepted it, at least, um, even if she's worried about it. And then she's like, you know what? I've had a bad day. I'm going to reward myself by getting out of here. And then she's like, oh, wait, can I actually use your phone? I need to just change the reservations for our flight to get a flight tomorrow. Um, and then she calls, and it turns out she can't change the reservations because the tickets were already used. Mr. and Mrs. Sumner Sloan already got on the flight. And so it's the confirmation of what Sam just said, that Sumner did take his ex-wife and get on the plane, which is, oh my God, what a piece Aww. of shit. I wish they could have said piece of shit on TV in the 80s because that's what he is. Yeah. <laughs> Goofy piece of shit. So Diane, she she hears this on the phone and then she's like already, she's she's visibly broken and she just kind of like collapses because that's really shitty. And then she's like, you know, gonna take herself home. But then, and Sam apologizes. He's like, I'm really sorry to hear that. And then D- Diane says, how did you know? And Sam says, bartender's intuition slash I think he's trying to be nice because it's like common sense because that man said that he was in love with her and then went back to her like yeah I think anybody could have guessed that but he's trying to make Diane feel better so he's like you know intuition and then she's like fine well if you have such perfect ideas over the future please tell me what my future holds and she's you know being defensive because she's vulnerable but then Sam says you could work here and diana at first laughs this off she's like oh of course of course i would not work in a bar i'm i'm above that you know i have I I, that's not suited for me Uh, she uh, she starts laughing she laughs ridiculously loud and long and Carla comes over and starts giving Sam this very long complicated drink order for a party of like seven different drinks that all have modifications and Diane's just laughing the whole time and then Diane's like look I would never I would never work in this bar but Sam's like you know you can't work for the professor anymore obviously so you need something else to do and you said you like the people here and you think that they like you. So it's a good thing. <laughs> and the phrase magnificent pagan beast has never left your mind. <laughs> and then Diane's like, you know, I, I, I'm gonna get another job. And he's like, well, what else are you qualified for? And she goes, nothing, but I have faith that there's a job out there that's perfect for me and I am perfect for it and I'm going to go find it. And I was like, girl, I admire your optimism. I don't have that same faith in the job market that you do, but good for you. (laughs) But yeah, she's like, I'm going to find the perfect job. And then Sam's like, whatever. Hey, Carlo, was that drink order again? And then Diane rattles off the whole drink order that like she wasn't even visibly paying attention to. Like she was laughing the whole time and she rattles off the whole thing perfectly. And then immediately as she finishes it, she looks horrified with herself because she's just demonstrated that she has a perfect talent for being a waitress. It was very impressive. Yeah, it was impressive. Like, it actually
0: not to say that I don't think that people can remember things as like I used to act and I used to memorize <laughs> lines. But yeah. it always like makes me slightly nervous when I don't see a waiter writing down my order mm-hmm. and they're just like, "I'll remember it," because I yeah. am the type of person that will modify something because I don't like certain sauces and that sort of thing. Yeah. So sometimes I'm like, "But are you going to write it down?" And it's yeah. like I know that they know but I've yeah. had experiences where they don't write it yeah. down
1: and then they've forgotten yeah, it. Most, so. most of them are good. Maybe yeah. sometimes they make mistakes, but mm-hmm. anyway, Diane, she rattled that off perfectly and there were modifications in that order. Yeah, Um, and then that's kind kind of of the button of the scene that's the end of the scene her being horrified this perfect horrified look on her face and like oh no how did I do that um and then we get the next scene it is the the next day presumably everyone's in different clothes and the bar's opening and Diane's like well it's it's going to be my first day and then a couple comes in and sits down and and Diane immediately greets them at the door which like is not a thing I think of as normal for bars, but she is very enthusiastic. She's like, welcome to Cheers. Please sit over here. And then she starts telling her whole life story. She's like- If you had ever told me that I was going to work at a place like this, I would have laughed and laughed, but something, something about the professor, she starts. she literally sits down at the table with them, says too much about her personal life, honestly, and she's like, you are the first couple that I'm serving, and blah, 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 and I would have never done this, but then I realized I am a student, and I am a student of life, And what better way to study life in all of its many facets? People meet in bars, they part, they rejoice, they suffer, they come here to be with their own kind. And I wrote that down because actually from the unlikeliest of places, Diane, who's the person that's not attached to the bar yet, is where Mm -hmm. we get kind of the thesis statement of the show. That's the theme of the show. That's why it's set in a bar. And I just thought that was really nice that it was worked in, you know, from Diane, yeah. who like clearly doesn't even really believe it yet. She's trying to justify it to herself, but she gives this wonderful ending speech about the importance of bars. And then the man of the couple pulls out a book and he starts saying uh, in a strong German accent, he's like, where is police? We lost our luggage or something like that. And so clearly they don't speak English. Yeah. And that's the end of the show. Then it's a blackout. Yeah. Nice little joke to end it on. So so overall, overall thoughts about this pilot. What do you think?
0: I liked it was very simple and mm. I think that was the beauty of it. Honestly, we meet our pe- we meet our main bar people. Um, we learn a little bit about each of them and we also get our new person. I think that I have honestly, I feel like it's kind of nice that we got a new person to enter the space with us. Like I know that that's kind of a thing that we've talked about in like more structured like our drama pilots mm-hmm. that we've talked about but I kind of like it in the sitcom space as well to kind of see Diane who is this person who seems like she just wouldn't really fit into this world and she doesn't feel like she fits into it as then she's kind of like you know not really wanting to talk to anyone at first that sort mm-hmm. of thing she's just like i'm just going to sit here and drink my champagne and read my book and then i'm going to leave and never see these people again and then of course because it because of like that's not the not the premise so she then <laughs> she you know stays and she is going to like learn more about these people and go through life with them in a sense i feel
1: like which i really Yeah, so I like it a lot. I I agree. Mm -hmm. Like, honestly, not much happens in this pilot compared to some other sitcom pilots. It's like, if we tried to summarize it, we can basically say, woman encounters, waits in a bar um, with her fiancé, and then her fiancé leaves her and she gets a job at the bar. That's Mm -hmm. all that happens. But we just get to know the environment and the vibe, and that is the core of this show. So I think this pilot makes sense for Cheers, because ultimately- the reason that Cheers exists and the reason that people watch Cheers is for this friendly environment that makes you feel like you are also at this bar where everybody knows your name. It's just this homey feeling. And we have the Mm -hmm. outsider character that is coming into this new home and It's interesting because like other people, something that you see in the show is that a lot of other people, as soon as they, as soon as they walk into Cheers, they instantly become part of the environment and they instantly adjust to it. But Diane is one of the few people that she kind of is resistant to it. And a big part of her character throughout the first few seasons is acting like she's better than everyone else in the bar basically, but then also ultimately being one of them. So that's what makes it interesting. You know, you need a little bit of conflict to keep things interesting. And also, I mean- obviously anyone who's been listening to our show knows this by now but like having that outsider character to represent the audience coming into the situation that is a really strong tool for any kind of pilot honestly drama or comedy the vast majority of pilots that we've covered have that in some form have some form of outsider character that's coming in not all but a lot and honestly as as i was just thinking about it (laughs) i didn't realize until now how much the friends pilot is like really, really a copy of this because it has Rachel as the, it has a group of friends that like to hang out in a place in the coffee Uh shop instead of a bar. And a lot of the episode they spend just kind of sitting and talking and being friends. And then there's a newcomer character, which is Rachel, and she is coming off of a a broken engagement. She ran away from her wedding and then she ends the episode by start getting a job at the coffee shop and becoming a waitress. So I'm like, that's actually very similar. And I realize I'm probably coming to this revelation very late. Probably everyone has been saying that since Friends started, I'm guessing. But as as a child of the millennium who watched Friends first and then Cheers only recently, I'm like, oh, wow, that's kind of obvious. I think they took some influence there. Yes, I really like
0: and I also feel like I like the idea of you know like a sitcom group of friends having a place where they all hang out and since this is of course set in the bar that's like that's the place and I also like the bar setting as an interesting social experiment which I Mm -hmm. get is like the whole like thesis of the show because it's a place where you because we've I guess as we've kind of been saying throughout this whole time it's like so many different people go into a bar, mm-hmm. and it's like some people, like you've got your regulars, you've got the people that are just you know stopping by because this was near, and they're like you know not meaning to stay. But yeah, it's so it's like the draw for this is gonna be to see how everyone interacts, especially as later in this in later seasons you get those other new characters and that sort of thing, and they become a part of the family too. Yeah, because it's like it's a very welcoming and warm place it's like I it was like my first time in there when I was watching and it was really nice I felt very welcome
1: yeah it is really nice it's very effective and an interesting thing about the setting you know about it being in the bar obviously this whole episode took place in the bar um, and it was almost completely time contiguous you know except for that last scene it all took place on one day but actually the show is very largely set in the bar more so more limited than most sitcoms like a lot of sitcoms have a couple of regular sets but this one is almost entirely in the bar Mm -hmm. in fact the first season the entirety of season one is entirely in the bar no other scenes outside of it and then starting in season two they did start to have occasional scenes outside that grew a little bit more frequent as the series went on but still the majority of it is set in the bar um, which is different than a lot of sitcoms a lot of sitcoms do have like like two to three main sets that they alternate between but this one in particular it's very striking it's like all in the bar it's interesting. And it also, it creates this effect of like, you are a person that's sitting in the bar and just watching all this happen, which, yeah, I guess that is probably part of why it makes you feel like you're just there. Cause it's not cutting away to different locations. It feels like you are just sitting there and watching. So there's like a few other things I had um, some notes about. I had some extensive notes about. I guess this is somewhat of a spoiler, except not really, because it's kind of a cultural thing. But like one of the, the biggest phrases that you may have heard, I had definitely heard of before I watched Cheers, was like Sam and Diane. Sam and Diane is oftentimes now just like referenced as a relationship dynamic um, in terms of like um, a will they won't they relationship on a sitcom or in terms of like a biting, you know, a lot of like bickering back and forth, toe to toe kind of sexual tension. Not not really a spoiler to say, Sam and Diane get together later on the show. (laughs) Um, And, you know, their chemistry is definitely, they have a lot of chemistry, that's why they were both cast, but actually their relationship has gotten some mixed reception i mean like it is a very iconic thing of the show nobody denies that but like some people there are varied thoughts on like how entertaining it was of how long it went on was it a healthy relationship there's a lot of think pieces especially in recent years of like was that a healthy relationship no it wasn't obviously it wasn't honestly most sitcom relationships are not healthy this one especially is definitely not but also i feel like it is not really portrayed as such in the show like i feel like it's portrayed as they're not really that good for each other because they. Spoilers, they don't end up together. So I feel like that's kind of a moot point. There's this, I
0: feel like there's this thing with comedies where when you have like the main couple and they're like, they get together, it's as though some pe- maybe that's why in comedies that have like a slow burn they there's a lot of debate over when the couple yeah. should like actually get together in terms of the seasons it's really hard like- to get
1: right because you don't mm-hmm. know how long your show is going to go on people always yeah. criticize tv shows for this but which like is fair like yes you can make some criticisms however you have to come at it with the understanding of they don't know how long they have for this story in a movie yeah you know when to get the couple together because you know the movie is 90 minutes long or you know whatever. If you're writing a book, you're writing it all in one go, you know how long it's going to be. Or even if you're writing a book series, you have an idea of how long your series is going to be and you get to decide. On a TV show, they don't. you don't want to do it too late because then you might get canceled before you could finish it, but you don't want to do it too soon because then it might get stale if the show keeps going on and then you have to do things yeah. like complications or breakups and then people complain about that, but then they also complain if it gets stale, you know, like there's no winning. Yeah. Because you have to adjust as you go. And so that's, Kara and I have talked about this plenty of times, but it's one of our pet peeves of, I I don't mean to say this in a disparaging way, but like casual viewers, when they complain about TV shows, the opinions are valid and the feelings are valid, but the ways that the criticisms are phrased often demonstrate a fundamental lack of understanding and empathy for the way that TV writing works so it's like yeah it's valid for you to feel that way of whatever you didn't like how this pacing happened but like understand it's not like they were purposefully trying to make it bad they're under certain Mm -hmm. constraints so honestly given given everything on Cheers my personal opinion is like I was binging it in the year 2019 so this is obviously different than someone who was watching it as it was airing but I enjoyed their relationship as it happened there were moments that made me go yikes in 2019 and I'm not sure how much yikes they were at the time I think they were slightly yikes but maybe not as much yikes but I did enjoy it it was interesting to watch it was drama Mm -hmm. I was I did feel like if if Shelley Long had not left which kind of made the decision for them but like I wouldn't have wanted to watch it for 11 seasons. Oh yeah, no, that so- sounds that sounds like it would have gotten on my nerves. Yeah, uh, so I, I, like I think it was good that she left when she did. And then they kind of, when they added Rebecca, they also did a sort of a will they, won't they, between Sam and Rebecca, which was a little bit less compelling in my opinion, but like you had to have something happen. Uh, But then he didn't end up with either of them ultimately, which I think was probably the proper ending. Um, I feel like this is less of a thing now as uh,
0: we start to veer into comedies, getting into some, you know, like into more topics than I feel like they did in the past. But I feel like there's this thing with comedies when a couple gets together where like there can't be drama with them or something sometimes, or like it's like a whole
1: thing If there's a fine line between making things interesting and then depicting relationships that are like unhealthy in the ways that they're interesting and I have, I have mixed feelings about this because my my personal feelings is like, there is a fine line. And it's going to fall in a different place for everybody of like, when is it so quote unquote problem? I hate to use the word problematic, but like, when is the relationship drama? When does it cross a certain threshold of it makes you uncomfortable and it's not entertaining versus there is a zone of, I know this is not healthy in real life and I would not support this in real life, but it's entertaining to watch. So I'm still yeah. entertained as I'm watching it. And I honestly felt that way for the most part about Sam and Diane. There was only like one or two moments in fact, I'm pretty sure it was one of the moments, like, right as they were getting together, there's a moment when, like, I, okay, it's Cheers fans don't hate me if I get this wrong because I only watched it once and it was, like, over a year ago. But, like, they're fighting. They, they fight a lot. Like, their sexual tension is they fight. And Diane slaps Sam at one point, And I'm pretty sure he slapped her back. And I was like, that's a yikes. I do find it a yikes even when women slap men, honestly, in movies and TV, because I'm like, nobody should be hitting anyone. But then I was like, wow, showing a man hitting her back, even as a slap. I could be making that up, but I'm pretty sure that happened. And I was like, whoa. I was like, that is racy for a sitcom. And then they like kissed or something. And I was like, wow, that is edgy. And I didn't hate it, but I was like, ooh. But I was like, in real life, oh my God, that would be terrible. No, nobody should be slapping each other. But I was like, as a TVC and I'm on the edge of my seat. And I feel like yeah. just, we could probably do a whole episode dedicated to like slow burns and relationships. And like, maybe we should, <laughs> but I would enjoy that. Greatly. I feel like another way that you and I differ from a lot of people that watch TV, not everybody, is i don't mind, like i like seeing two characters get together if i feel like they're good together i do like that however i also that's not the only criteria i'm looking for in a story i'm not only looking for them to get together and i'm not only looking for them to stay together i can <clears throat> perfectly enjoy a story of two characters getting together being together for a period of time and then ultimately realizing they're not right for each other if every part of that, you know, yeah. if it's an arc that I agree with, I can enjoy every part of that story. And that's kind of how I feel about Sam and Diane. I like watching them flirt. I like watching them get together. I kind of like watching them fall apart, honestly. And then yeah. I like them being able to heal and move on from that. And to me, that's a satisfying arc. Some people would say it's stupid cuz they never should have gotten together or they should have ended up together. Like th- they yeah, think it's it like I feel like
0: it's I feel like it's the happily ever after or nothing.
1: Yeah, which is so odd to me. I'm like, how do you live your life? Do you live your life that, like, every relationship is a, like, it shouldn't have even happened if it's not going to be your soulmate that you live with until you die?
0: And here's, here's, again, we'll go into some, like, me, I watch a lot of, like, I watch a lot of romance-related genre stuff. So in that sense, you are looking for a happily ever after.
1: Yeah, if it is a romance specifically. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But like, this is like a comedy and there happens to be romance happening. Yeah. So it's not the same. Which Which again, circles
1: back to our eternal debate about people need to know what genre they're watching. Yeah because the mm-hmm. genre informs you of your expectations. So it's one thing if you do get into a piece that is a very different genre, or is different than what it appears to be different than what it leads you to believe that it is, which I just started a show the other night, Invincible, which is a prime example of that. I'm not saying I, I'm i not saying it's a bad thing. But the show leads you to believe one thing for the first 40 minutes of episode one, and then does something very, very different from then on. But With the exceptions of those, the vast majority of media that's in our commonplace market makes it very clear what genre it is. Like, Mm. they make it pretty darn obvious. They try to market to you. This is exactly what kind of story we are. We are a superhero story. We are a romance story. We are a family drama. We are a tragedy. We are a horror movie. Like, they really tell you what they are. And that tells you what's going to happen. Like, not exactly how it's going to happen, but it tells you what's going to happen. So you shouldn't be surprised. I feel like it's on you if you're expecting something very different than what they're very clearly marketing is going to happen. And so you could debate about like in the case of Cheers, I guess sitcoms are kind of in this gray area where it has become a staple for a lot of sitcoms to have a major relationship arc in the past decades. It has become kind of a staple. So some people might really be expecting that. I think people, I think anybody watching Cheers expecting Sam to get back with Diane would have been a little bit deluded considering she hadn't been on the show for six years and their relationship ended on terrible terms. So I think that would have been a weird expectation to have personally, but we've, we've seen what shippers will think on the internet. So I'm not surprised if people did hold that belief, even if it was very silly, Yeah. So we've gotten a little bit off track. I might cut this down a little bit, but I do feel like we should do an episode on relationships at some point because we have a lot to say about it. So yeah, that's just a little bit about Sam and Diane. Um, It's a trope that a lot of people have talked about. In fact, I found a quote from one writer, uh, Jeremy Ross, in 1992, this journalist, Jeremy Ross, called Sam and Diane the most discussed romantic characters since Romeo and Juliet. That's That's a statement. It's pretty potent. Um, And you could argue maybe they've been overshadowed by a few other sitcom couples. Like Ross and Rachel is another one that comes to mind. I don't know. Um, There's definitely, you know, uh, like Ted and Robin, like a lot of sitcoms that have done long arcs would rival it, but arguably Sam and Diane were the template for a lot of those. Um, uh, And on a similar note of like, you know, Cheers effect on the sitcom world and on what followed. I found this thing from one of the creators, Les Charles. So, so Cheers was not, not the first sitcom ever to do this, but it did popularize the idea of having some serialized plots that would go on from episode to episode and having some season end cliffhangers that would make Mm -hmm. people have to come back which was not a very common thing in sitcoms prior to that they would be very very self-contained you could pick up any episode and and know completely what was going on as opposed to cheers like you would mostly know what's going on there might be a couple of threads you would be like oh that happened I didn't know whatever it's still not very serialized at all but I found this interesting quote that um Les Charles apparently regrets this, regrets that they started this trend because he says now, uh, he says, we may have been partly responsible for what's going on now, as in like the past the year 2000, um, where if you miss the first episode or two, you are lost. You have to wait until you can get the whole thing on DVD and catch up with it. If that blood is on our hands, I feel kind of badly about it. It can be very frustrating. So it was interesting so to me. So interesting. I mean, clearly he must have made the statement before streaming was a thing because streaming yeah. obviously changed the whole game. But it was interesting to me that he would hold any kind of regret about that, of like it was a bad influence on the sitcom genre. I guess for him, his vision of sitcoms was the beauty of it was that you could drop into any episode and feel completely informed. And so I I guess there was probably that fine window, which I mean, we did live through this, but also we were kids, so maybe didn't have the same level of tuned in. But like between 2000 and 2010, honestly, when Mm -hmm. shows were starting to become more serialized and that was starting to become more popular, and like DVDs were a thing, like you could maybe catch up on seasons with DVDs, but streaming wasn't a thing yet, so you had to really make an effort. So yeah, it was it was kind of hard, and like. I also feel like that's when like spoilers was starting to first become a thing because like people would talk more and also social media was starting to become a little thing. So it's, it was the first awareness of, oh, I didn't see that yet. Don't tell me. But then since streaming has become a thing, I feel like this is a little bit moot because people can, you can watch almost anything at almost any time you want these days. Yeah.
0: I feel like I got around that as a child. So I watched a lot of Nick at Night, which is mm-hmm. how I watched like a lot of 90s sitcoms. Mm-hmm. And the things that I watched the most on Nick at Night were Friends, The Nanny, and Family Matters. And I remember that like specifically when Friends was like the only thing on Nick at Night, I would sit and watch like the entire four hour block because they would just play it in order. And then I'd be like, oh, I'll come back tomorrow night and keep going, keep going with the story because I actually did love that it was, I loved following the arc. And I think that's what I like enjoyed the fact that it was so serialized. I also never really
1: knew anything different. I have similar memories, like not quite as distinct as that, but like clearly as a kid, I had seen like certain stretches of certain shows. And then when I went back and watched those shows in order, streaming was a thing I was like oh so this is the season when that arc happens oh I saw bits of this but I missed the middle I missed this connection and it was kind of fun to like finally piece it together like oh Mm -hmm. this is when so-and-so joins the show or like this is when that plot happens which was kind of fun I do I have a little nostalgia for that time when like you would just see bits and pieces and not really know how they connected and now yeah. you can you just watch everything in order because why wouldn't you? Which yeah, there's I, I don't know that we should go back. I don't know that it was necessarily better, but I have a little bit of nostalgia for it. So yeah, obviously Cheers had a huge, huge influence on the genre. As I said, so many awards, so many, so many episodes, such influence. And I mean it spawned arguably one of the most successful spin-off shows in TV history, Frasier, which is possibly even more well known than Cheers. It's certainly equally yeah. as known. Um, I knew
0: Frazier before I knew Cheers.
1: Yeah. Although that may have just been because Frasier was airing while we were alive, whereas Cheers was not. (laughs) But certainly it's on like basically equal name recognition. I feel like people don't, when you hear it, you don't immediately think of it as a spinoff. You think of it as his own thing, which. Yeah. I didn't know it was a spinoff until I was like in middle school. Which is certainly one of the markers of a successful spinoff, I guess. So yeah so that follows the character of fraser crane after he moves back to seattle he moves away from boston after the time span of cheers they also did i learned this just in my research they did create another spinoff called the tortellis about carlos family but that one was not successful and got canceled after 13 episodes it was not popular because people did not like the stereotypes about italian americans contained therein any other parting thoughts about cheers
0: it was fun. Um, would you keep
1: watching? I guess is the question.
0: I would. Um, and I definitely have watched more than one episode. So mm-hmm. I guess I would have said that when I was like randomly watching it one day. Yeah. I like watched it like once senior year of college, but I didn't like get very far. Yeah. Cause I was watching, I was watching other things at the time.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't feel, I didn't feel immediately compelled to go to the next one right away, which, but I feel like that's not really the marker of success for sitcoms. That's yeah. more for a serialized show. But like, I guess for sitcoms, it's more like, did I enjoy this half hour would I want to spend more time with these people and for Cheers I think the answer is yes and honestly yeah I was not expecting to like it that much when I first watched it I was like I will watch a few episodes at least because it's a famous show and if I give up on it that's fine like I was, I think I went into it with this idea of like it's old I might not like it that much because sitcoms Mm -hmm. have changed but then I liked it a lot more than I thought I would because the thing the thing about these older sitcoms that like I, as a millennial, I'm sure any, all of our parents that are listening are probably like laughing at this, but like, as, as a younger person, I feel like I had this idea of like old shows are antiquated. They're not as funny. Like they have these old jokes. It's not, it's not like our modern world anymore. And I think the humor is actually really nice. A lot of the humor, there are occasional unfortunate jokes, but a lot of the humor is more just like basic interaction based and less reference based, Yeah, which is kind of nice. It's more, I don't know the word for it, but it's more just I don't want to say pure humor, because that implies that it's inherently better. But it's just different. And it's more relatable than I thought. The thing is, older sitcoms are fine, as long as you're fine with it being all straight white people. And if you don't mind yeah. that, because it is all straight white people, there's there's nary a, nary a gay person, nary a person of color in sight. Like, I don't think I can remember even in background roles on Cheers. Like there's literally not a single black person. There's like no. I did
0: see a black person. I did see a black extra as I was watching. <laughs> maybe, was yeah, surprised. maybe
1: extras, but like in terms of speaking roles, there's Uh-oh. probably like one or two. There's probably a couple, but oh, like. I wouldn't expect them. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the thing. Like, If you go in knowing it's an old show and you don't mind that, if you're not looking for diversity of any sort. They are entertaining. They they are fun, comedic, wholesome in some ways, knowing that it's older. Wholesome in the sense of like human connection. Uh, maybe not in the sense of relationship standards because we've got a lot of red flags there. But yeah, so it's, it's a different style, but like it's not... I don't want to sound trite when I say this, but like just because it's older doesn't mean it's not good in our current times.
0: I've been watching, uh, if you follow our social media, Mm -hmm. you might know that I've been watching The Nanny recently, which is not as old as this, but it's from the 90s. So like I've been, I like didn't get the jokes when I was a child watching it on (laughs) Nick and Night. Um, So now like actually getting it with the jokes, I'm like, this is still quite funny. Things have aged poorly, of course. But like it's it's like still a good time, you know, yeah, that's yeah. how I feel like this would be. I've
1: honestly I've not that I don't like them, but I've been feeling a little bit oversaturated on like 20 teens sitcoms lately, the really fast yeah. pace. And I've been I've been kind of liking older sitcoms. I've been watching um, Curb Your Enthusiasm. I've been working my way through that, which is not it started in 2000. So it's not that old. I just finished Seinfeld recently. I watched most of it like a year ago, uh, but then like finished up the last season. And I've just started living single recently. And I'm enjoying that a lot. Living Single is so fun. Yeah, I honestly, I it's I think it's shaping up to be one of my favorite sitcoms. I'm like, just girls living together and just having fun and being chill. I'm like, wow, that's- I
0: can't wait to tell my mom that you started watching Living Single. She's gonna be so excited. Thanks for listening. We want to hear from you now. If you have any thoughts about the Cheers pilot you'd like to share with us or
1: suggestions for
0: shows we should watch, you can email us at itsinmyqpod at gmail.com.
1: And if you want to prepare for the next episode discussion with us, the next pilot we will be watching is The 100. So go ahead and watch or rewatch that episode so you'll be ready for our thoughts on it next time.
0: And if you liked what you heard, please rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends to listen. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at InMyQPod, or on our personal Twitters. I am at Adina Terrific. And I'm at Kara underscore Powell. Thanks for listening, and we hope we've helped you clear out your queue.